Welcome back to The Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. Magazines are a big part of any interest, but for the passionate outdoor crowd, magazines count for a little bit more. Because they're not just a reflection of interest, but an educational tool, a beckoning lighthouse in the dark, luring you to some amazing thing you didn't even know about. And all of a sudden, you find yourself putting aside money and time to accomplish that thing yourself. Do you have a Desert Island all-time favorite outdoor magazine? I'm guessing that you do. And honestly, mine is probably Ranger Rick because my grandmother got me a subscription to it before I was physically able to retain memories and renewed it every year until I was a teenager. That or Boy's Life, which you got if you were a Cub Scout, and I hope I never see any of the issues I received as a kid for fear of the misogynistic and sexist content that a magazine called Boy's Life in the 1980s definitely contained. Regardless, both of those magazines no doubt influenced my desire to start doing fun things outside, and also indoctrinated me at an early age to the influence of outdoor magazines. If you work in the outdoor industry and attended outdoor retailer back in the day, a highlight were the rows of every outdoor magazine free for the taking. Flights home from Salt Lake City were spent reading the latest backpacker, outside, kayak and canoe, ski, powder, climbing, wind, or National Geographic adventure, among many, many others. Going to a newsstand or to the magazine rack at a Barnes & Noble showed the breadth of titles, and many of them still exist. But I'd argue not in the same way as they once did. Like everything else, magazines have had to adjust significantly in the internet age, and it's safe to say that outdoor magazines largely aren't the vibrant source of knowledge and inspiration they once were. But there are those who persist and are proving that there's still an appetite for printed magazines depicting aspirational adventures and showcasing amazing photography. One of these titles is Mountain Gazette, which started in 1966 but since 2020 has been owned by Mike Rogie, a veteran journalist and editor for publications like Powder, as well as a producer for the creative studio Verb Cabin. Mountain Gazette is part of a resurgence of print magazines focused on outdoor activities and featuring long-form storytelling. I asked Mike to come on the show so we can get into our personal history with outdoor print magazines and talk about where the medium is headed. So let's get going. I'm Colin True. This is The Rock Fight, and today it's a battle royale as I pick a fight with outdoor magazines. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, buddy. Nice to be here. So I talk about it in my opening, the impact that outdoor magazines had on me as a kid. And I think I'm about 10 years older than you, but you must be old enough that you're sort of in the same boat. These magazines from Ranger Rick for the kids to the heyday of Outside Magazine, they really mean something. So before we talk about more recent history, I want to start with that. So what outdoor magazines meant the most to you when you were younger, to the point where they influenced you, not just what you wanted to do outside, but also with your career? Yeah, thanks, man. That's a really good question. So I would say that like, you know, my history with outdoor magazines starts with my mother, who is an avid reader. Like, we were a household that had, you know, weekly and monthly magazines arriving at our house all the time. Uh, mm. My mom um, had a really great policy that, like, my sister and I were not allowed to ask for toys or any candy or anything like that when we were in a store. But if we asked for a book or a magazine, she was always down to pick it up for us. She wanted us reading. And so I would go to the grocery store. And the magazines that I would see, um, you know, I'm 37 and, uh, you know, I would see uh, Powder. I would see Freeze Magazine. I would see Free Skier Magazine. Those are the mags that I started picking up. And I think for me, particularly, like Freeze Magazine was really interesting. Like we're talking like these are pre-internet 
days. And so my exposure to the twin tip revolution, like the Shane McConkey's, the new Canadian air force, those guys was through freeze magazine. And what I would see is an extension of what I had saw in like that year's poor boys movie or level one productions right. movie or MSP or TGR. And so I always thought of it as like, um, they were like the liner notes, you know, like I, the movie was the main attraction. The X games was like the midwinter check-in. And then that fall all the way into January, um, I would just consume, you know, I'd watch, you know, Vinnie Dorian's underflip in the X games. And then I would see it on a big jump in the poor boys movie, but then I'd get like a big profile in powder or freeze. And, um, and that was it. What I realized was there was a lot more depth than maybe the movies were showing me. And to be frank, than the magazines were showing me at that time. And that, mm. that was what I wanted you know um more than anything as a as a fan of skiing of just being like there's people out there who are skiing exactly the way they want to um and i just wanted to know you know how, like how do you start skiing backwards and i don't mean from like a technical standpoint but like what kind of music do you listen to like what kind of books do you read what kind of movies do you watch like what kind of artists do you like like what influences the way you you ski and i started realizing there was so much more than what I had been exposed to as a kid. So I'm not that, like off my rocker saying that, you know, these magazines hold a lot of meaning, meaning, right. And that, or that I have such fond memories of them. Like it really almost, it's like it really informed just how you, what kind of person you became. I think so. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I, I saved them. And like mm -hmm. before I, before I saved magazines, like I cut out pictures and like I had a whole wall in my room that was just filled with like, you know, I think of this one photo of like Anthony Boronowski on K2 skis getting like six feet above the lip on a quarter pipe and thinking, this is insane. Like, this is <laughs> nuts. And I would look at that every single day. So, right. yeah, I mean, a lot of things have informed like who I am, but I think um, magazines were a chance for me as like a kid growing up on a small mountain in upstate New York to like bring the ski world um as it was you know like right. into my into my home but so clearly now as we kind of get into the digital age right you know any print publication coming out of the aughts and into the tens and everything like in newspapers magazines whatever like it's a big adjustment into the digital era so and to me it feels like there's been a real significant attrition when it comes to sort of outdoor publications in general and, and like not just in the titles but even in the quality. And I'm, I may be remembering this the way that I want to remember this or viewing it the way I want to view it, but it, it feels like it's happened in real time. And I, the best example I can give the people is like when you'd go to outdoor retailer and there are those, you know, rows of free magazines, but, and then over like a, a certain window, like each year, the number of titles either shrank or the quality just sort of fell off a cliff. Like, does that feel right to you? Am I triggering any memories for you? Am I exaggerating that? To me, you know, I guess, if we're trying to find like the dawn of the failure of magazines is like, I think first it starts with the idea that you could put your premium content online and attract more eyeballs and therefore attract right. maybe better ad rates, which we all know like ad rates for like banner ads and shit like that is just like, I mean, it's pennies on the dollar. Um, right. So I think that was like a bad business decision. And then I think we all got really, really excited about the idea of partnering with a big tech firm like Facebook or Instagram or Apple news or whatever. And I think that for me, 
um, curation is really important, whether people believe it or not. I think mm-hmm. like it's it's amazing that everybody has a voice. Um, it's brought a lot of new and very important voices into our community. But I also think like it's very good to have a little bit of curation and premium content, and that's what I'm missing most from from magazines these days. I don't know. And I don't want to take shots. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. But and the, to me, the poster child, though, is really I, I, I just look at outside and it because it, it's honestly upsetting to me. I mean, outside is a big part of my personal professional pass. And it's starting to feel like it doesn't matter anymore. You know, if, if like if you were put in the driver's seat of where outside is today, like, do you even know where you would start with that? I think I would pass like I don't envy anybody over there. You know, like I just. Yeah. I, I was able to speak with John Winter, who's the founder of Rolling Stone. You know, mm-hmm. one of, credit credit with one of being one of the founders of of Outside, and like I've learned a lot from the Pesman family, like from Surfers Journal and Adam Howard, who runs Backcountry Alpinists, and a couple other mags like Steve Casimiro, and kind of like I, I think the way that I run Mountain Gazette is more in line with what they do versus what other people don't do if that makes sense like yeah um it's almost like you're teaching someone how to drive and like the first thing you say to them is like don't drink a beer yeah like does that does that does that really inform like how you should drive it's kind of just telling you before you turn it on you're like (laughs) what not to do and honestly like man i know i gave credit to my mom before but like i'll give credit to my dad too like the, the greatest skill um, that I could pass on to my kids that my parents taught me is the ability to be a vicarious learner and not have to make the mistakes of other people um, on my own to feel like I've learned something. And so, right. you know, I do look at like consumer facing business models, if you will, of other media companies. And I think like, well, this just doesn't make sense to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, you know, not, not to get all like nuts and bolts about it, but like I, want to ski a lot with my friends and with my family um i want to have a great relationship um with my children with my wife with my community um and i think the way i've built this business model is our subscribers feel like they're getting a fair deal you know like they pay us for a quality product that they come to expect if i were to then like you know say like not deliver um Mm -hmm. this whole thing gets thrown in but like for us we're like we want to build something premium uh we want to have the best writers photographers artists working with us on a consistent basis um we want to make sure they have the complete freedom to tell the stories they want to tell in the way they want to tell it it's why every issue of our magazine is so fucking unique sorry i hope we can swear you can swear all you want but but like, it's why our magazines are so fucking unique, man. Is that like, I truly believe that everybody in this space has a unique perspective, has a unique upbringing, and they can bring that into their story right. um, that they provide for us. And just by doing that, like, we'll never put out the same magazine twice. It's sort of a roundabout way of, of not answering your question. But yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess to, to answer it specifically, I, I wouldn't want to be in that driver's seat. Well, I think, no, you answered it by saying that. And it reminded me, and then this is a good segue into, into talking a little bit about Mountain Gazette and kind of the, the way where things are now. But I, it reminded me, honestly, and, you know, I do these little hot takes and, you know, and most of it is is for fun. But like I did one recently on Jeep because 
and it, and I get, maybe this is just the the curse of getting older. You're around long enough to see things change, right? And I, I Jeep in the early '90s when I went to college in 1993, Jeep was the shit. Like you were an outdoorsy motherfucker if Agreed. you drove a Jeep, Agreed. right? Agreed. And then and I I then all of a sudden you know Subaru's eating their lunch, and I and I point to the 2001 discontinuation of the Cherokee. It's like then you introduced the Liberty, which was a horrendously designed vehicle, and, and they never mean, got it mean, back. You mean the box Cherokee? Yeah, the box Cherokee. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, that was my, yeah, that was my first vehicle. And I've always said that the greatest thing about that car was that you could put the back seat fully down and yep. sleep in it. If you were yep. six foot one now. Yeah. And it's, sick. I have one now. I had one. You go, listen, if you get five minutes, listen to my episode on Jeep. I, I, I got one and then I sold it and I regretted it for years. And I literally found almost the exact same model like 20 years later. And I'm like, I'm, I got it. I'm never giving it up. And like, you know, and I think, look, I'm sure Jeep's doing fine, right? They have all these cars and I look at that Gladiator and I'm like, what are you doing putting a bed on a Wrangler? It looks stupid. Like it's the smallest bed of all time. What do you do with that? But it's like, fine, they're selling them. Good for you guys. But it just, you know, Subaru is now as the reigning champ. And I think this is to your point about outside. Yeah, think about that. Think about what outside used to mean. And now someone in your position, you're like, eh, hard pass. I'm good. You know, like it's gone so far in a certain direction. And that just, yeah, it's a bummer, you know, but, but yeah, I think but that anyway, go ahead. to use your, to use your Jeep and Subaru comparison, I think that one of the like key missteps that I see a lot of media companies and brands do over and over again is they never really stop to consider like, Hey, why do our consumers love us? You know, right. like, yes, in their, that is accurate. And I think. And I think what they do is they take something that's like, great. I mean, if you want to really see the value of Jeep, Go on bringatrailer.com and look up the XJ model, which is that box Cherokee. Look at how much they're going for. They're like $28,000 and $32,000. They're almost the price of a brand new oh, yeah. stock Wrangler. Or, or like go look at, I mean, the the Wagoneer. You know oh, what I mean? Dude, like, Forget it. The Wagoneer, which is sick, right? Like they have a brand new like Grand Wagoneer Laredo. It comes with everything. It can self-park everything. Cool. I think that's like eighty grand. You yeah. want like a 1995 wood paneled Wagoneer? Shit's like 180 grand. It's but, because people value high quality. They value, you know, like you have to know, I think as a brand, you know, we we did a, a marketing study with good, good friend of mine from Jackson. And we asked at that point, it was almost half of our subscribers, like what they wanted from us. Yeah, And we created this brand universe doc. And I've kind of said like, hey, we can't stray from this. We hire someone new. Um, and it's nothing like that profound. It's just like our, you know, brand tentpole, if you will, that like we can never stray from because it's what makes us Mountain Gazette, you know, like, and I think, I think that's the problem is like brands are like, they're kind of like dogs chasing shiny new vehicles down the road if it's like they're just hoping they catch something and right it's like dude you've already figured it out like i don't know i i, I can't speak to outside because i i never worked but i worked at powder and i can tell you that like we used to do a lot of stuff at powder just so that we could get to that one amazing dirt bag story you know per issue and i just remember thinking like this is what our consumers want and sure like you want to surprise them but like Surprise them 10%, not 110%. Right. You know, like because 110% is a completely different product. And like you might not be the best brand to tell that story. 
I want to move now into the, you know, quote, return of the long-form magazine. You know, WEND was one of my favorite magazines in the late aughts. I loved the minimal ads and the long stories. It wasn't, you know, printed versions of cable news chirons. So over the past few years, as I discovered that this art form was starting to grow, uh, it both surprised me and also didn't surprise me because I'm sure I'm not alone in my affection for the format. But, you know, I discovered Adventure Journal first and then you guys at Mountain Gazette. And that has turned me on to, you know, sidetracked and another escape. So I kind of want to know, you know, what's the feedback you get from readers on the issues of Mountain Gazette that you've published so far? So Lifetime, uh, we have, we're keeping 88% of our subscribers. Wow. Um, the, the number one reason why we're losing subscribers is unfortunately like, um, you know, they're losing their jobs or just like right. harsh economic conditions. Um in which case, like, you know, we always say like, hey, we'll be here when you're ready to come back. Our readers want to be, you know, surprised. I think um, the my favorite thing about our readers is their bullshit detector is like <laughs> fine tuned. So if we ever tried to do like a sneaky, like, hey, like, look, this is like an advertorial or whatever, like, no, they would see that coming from a mile away. They would cancel their subscription. They would talk shit about me forever. And I think what's really cool is because of the way we run our business and feel confident in our business model and feel confident in who we are and who we speak to, um, I find that a lot of our subscribers also subscribe to Adventure Journal, which is a quarterly, which means you're now getting six high-quality magazines a year, or you also subscribe to Backcountry Magazine, which is like a more traditional newsstand-style magazine that's Mm -hmm. like they get a little bit of both. You know, I find that um, some people are turned on to like totally different topics. Like there's a magazine that, you know, Mike Myers, the former SNL comedian, like his niece and some friends started called Flagrant, which is a women's basketball magazine. And their design is Hmm. like outstanding. It's amazing. They've sold out of all their issues. So it's like, I think it's the idea that like, um, one right now, people naturally don't trust the media. And I think it's great that people are, are naturally questioning everything they see in the media because they just are like, oh, what's your motivation? What, what is your motivation? Is it clicks? Is it like attention span or whatever? Mm-hmm. And when they see that we really like, we just want them to subscribe and then we're going to deliver two issues a year and give them something they can keep for six months to the rest of their life. That's our motivation. And so our, our readers, they're our lifeblood. They're our be-all, end-all. Like, we'll follow those guys anywhere. I think, um, you know, we got over 6,000 submissions in 2022, and we publish less than 40 feature stories a year. Wow. And to be fair, man, like, we tell people, to like, hey, this doesn't fit for us, but, like, maybe it's a good story for Casimiro. Maybe it's a good story for Howie. Maybe it's a good story, you know, for whatever another outdoor title like i I think what it's done is it's lit a fire under creators and what's cool is that they know when they're published in mountain gazette it's it's the real deal it's not because a brand paid us to it's not because of their name it's because we know that their idea is unique and our readers are going to love it um doug schnitzbahn who runs elevation outdoors told me that when he wrote for 194 i mean we only had a thousand subscribers so we made like a thousand copies of that he heard more feedback from that story than any story in a 20 plus year career. So I think like, that's it is like our readers support 
support the hell out of like not just us but also our contributors and, and the brands that, that are partnering with us so so is um, you know is the uh, way vinyl yeah. has endured is that a good comp for what we're seeing with print it was like out of those that passion you know dude i i it, that's exactly right like i remember a few years ago reading a story about jack white of the white stripes yeah um buying a vinyl press and bob we're going in and putting down a couple songs and then pressing a limited edition vinyl like you cannot buy those recordings online you cannot stream them like the only way you can hear the session that weir did in nashville is to buy that album and they only made a few and i just think there's something really cool about that we do the same thing i mean you know baritunde thurston wrote in our last issue and he's got a show on pbs and he wrote like a very personal essay about a particular episode he filmed and it was fantastic when PBS reached out. They're like, hey, how can we promote this? I'm like, dude, we're, we're good. Like, literally, like, I'll send you a copy. And I sent one copy to the you know PBS office. And they're like, when does this run online? Like, it doesn't. It only exists here. And I think it's like, it's a little strange at first, but then people get it. And they're like, wow, this is really like, it's a time capsule. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's, there's been news about, you know, bookstores thriving again, right? And, you know, and, yeah, I, and I, but I, you know what? I still keep a, a book going in my book app, right? And, and then also, much like D2C for buying stuff, like people are learning that, you know, the, the stores will never go away. And it's, you know, and I look, I will read stuff on Mountain Gazette's blog or, or Adventure Journal's blog or whatever, but I still want to hold a magazine sometimes too, you know? And it's like in these, and even like the way the twice a year, the quarterly, I also get bikepacking.coms, you know, kind of one with twice or three times a year uh, issues that they put out. It's the beauty of that too, is it the long form, you're getting great stories, just holding them, you know what I mean? Just feels good, you know, like, so it's, but doesn't also mean that if I'm sitting at the dentist's office, I'm not going to like whip out my phone and like check out your blog or, or, you know, whatever on my yeah. phone too. It's, it's not all one thing. Right. So exactly. Colin, what in life is like exactly black and white? Yeah, like, nothing. I think we need to start consuming our media in the gray. Like, I mean, man, I listen pretty religiously to a couple podcasts. I am an avid consumer of metsblog.com where I read about the New York Mets. Like I, <laughs> It's a that's probably the biggest misconception is where like this like anti-internet, anti-digital. No, in fact, like I would argue that we're probably the most digitally sophisticated print magazine maybe in the world. I have yet to find like one that's doing a better job than us as far as like how we auto-renew subscriptions, how we communicate with our subscribers, how yeah. we allow people to change their address, the way we do customer service, the way we do we're, we're just never not learning over here we're always hungry to do a little bit better every day so put a bow on it for me like so what's what what happened what's the future what's your prediction for just outdoor magazines in general in the next five ten years what how do you think it all shakes out i think we're going to see more i actually think the generation that's upcoming has a lot of creators i think we're going to see some more hyper niche titles i think we're going to see improvements in print on demand i.e. like you design your magazine and then like when someone orders it, it's printed on demand and shipped to you. That makes sense. Um, I think we're going to see the death of a lot of podcasts. I think podcasts are oversaturated right now. I think they're never going to be able to put back in the bottle the fact that like athletes don't need us at right. all. Right. I mean, Cody, Ta Cody Townsend's arguably the most successful media company over the last like three years with the 50 Project. Like his YouTube page is successful 
um, whether that project finishes the way he wants it to or not. Like, I mean, Cody can be producing content and distributing it for the rest of his life. I mean, he has right. a really effective distribution channel. Um, I think we're going to see a new generation of marketing directors who care less about social media and more about social impact and not like, and like, I mean, my God, like I'm so proud of our industry for embracing so many new voices in the last three to five years. And not only like embracing them, but also like pushing a narrative forward and backwards and left and right, diagonally, everything. And it's like, I'm, I'm glad that like you can be any kind of kid now coming up in the world and you can say, I like hiking and you can find someone in our industry who looks like you, right. who has a similar background to you. Like, and I, and to me that, that is a testament to our community and like what, what it can actually do and the opportunities that are now finally available to everybody. I think the future is really bright for us. I, I really do. I, I've lived in this industry now for 20 years and I think I'm the most optimistic about being a creator in it uh, right now, like more so than I ever have been in my whole life. And I was like there for like blogging and social media and all the all the good stuff, you know, video and whatever. I think all that was cool, but I think now it's just it's just so sick. It's just awesome. Like I mean, being a media consumer right now is really fun. You know what was great about my conversation with Mike was the acknowledgement of challenges, but the retention of optimism. With all of the turmoil in the world, outdoor magazines can seem like a petty or small topic to talk about on a podcast. But I know how I feel about the role they've played in my life. And for someone like Mike, they've been downright formative. And we have a special treat coming for you later this week. Mike was good enough to spend a few extra minutes with me, and we each ran down our Desert Island all-time top five outdoor magazines. Look for that episode right here on The Rock Flight when it drops early Thursday morning Pacific time. And that's our show for the day. I want to thank Mike Rogie for joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at SkiingRogie. Be sure to subscribe to Mountain Gazette by visiting mountaingazette.com and follow them on their socials, Instagram at Mountain Gazette and Facebook, facebook.com slash Mountain Gazette. Want to pick a fight with The Rock Fight? Send your feedback, comments, and suggestions to myrockfight at gmail.com. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight LLC.